0: <laughs> and you're going to be working in this kitchen? Yeah. Do you just want to show me your kitchen yeah, let's we can through, walk and let's talk, go through, it, you know, yeah. for a little, uh, little So, after my <laughs> visit to the Boston Medical Center in the last episode, I took a ride share down the road a little bit to a brand new grocery store and cafe that the hospital has invested in.
1: Basically, it's going to be kind of like a small replication of what you see in Whole Foods where we have a variety The place of is that. in
0: Boston's Roxbury neighborhood, and talking to me is Adam Abdul Musawir. He's the head chef at the cafe.
1: We're going to we're going to have a balanced menu where where we have just as many vegan options.
0: And I should probably confirm that yes this is still a podcast about climate change and health policy. I'm Jared Downing, I'm a climate journalist. And this neighborhood, Roxbury, is not the kind of place where you expect to find a hip, healthy grocery and cafe. Roxbury is one of Boston's historically underserved communities. It's a heat island. It gets hotter than other parts of the city in the summer, and a lot of people don't have AC here. It's also a food desert.
1: You have just a liquor store here, and then you, you do have some other big grocery stores. But they're uh, a little bit of ways for us.
0: And Roxbury has one of the lowest life expectancies in all of Boston. Only 59 years in some parts. But Boston Medical Center, the local safety net hospital, is on the case. They've invested millions of dollars in the whole block, which also has a gym and a residential space. There are new, modern apartment units, many reserved for low-income tenants. And the people who live here and shop here aren't patients of the hospital necessarily. They're just people, just ordinary Bostonians. So why is a hospital investing in a grocery store? And what does that have to do with climate change? Just stick with me. I have an answer for you, and it could save a lot of money and a lot of lives in the coming years. From Health Affairs, this is The Earth Disease, a podcast about health policy and the climate crisis. I'm Jared Downing, and so far we've talked about how climate change is making people sick. We know this, but what if we can start treating people before the climate makes them sick in the first place? A new wave of social determinant programs aims to do just that. In episode 3, I'll look at health systems that are paying money, healthcare dollars, to weatherize homes and build new ones help pay for utilities and buy people sustainable food. It's a brand new approach to healthcare, and it could help us deal with the climate health crisis before it shows up in clinics and emergency rooms. The Boston Medical Center-funded project that I visited is called Bartlett Station. It's built on an abandoned bus station of the same name. And in this neighborhood, Roxbury, people are demonstrably less healthy than in other wealthier parts of the city. Here's Megan Sandell. A BMC pediatrician involved in the project.
2: One thing you have to keep in mind is that the average life expectancy in this section of Roxbury is 59 years. And if you travel three miles to the back bay of Boston, it's 92 years. So in a three-mile span, there's a 30-year life gap. So
0: why are people in this neighborhood dying 30 years earlier than in other parts of town? The answer is a set of conditions called social determinants of health. So of course, nobody just gets sick in a vacuum. There are a lot of determinants of health that go into it. Some are genetic, maybe heart disease or cancer, just runs in the family and others are social. The CDC defines social determinants of health as quote, the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work, and age, as well as the complex interrelated social structures and economic systems that shape these conditions. So, The weather where you live. If you live in a city or the countryside or near a factory. Do you work outside in the sun or in an office? Did your dad smoke? Can you afford healthy food? Or did you grow up on fish sticks and frozen pizza? Do you have mold in your house? Do your pipes leak? Income is of course a big one. Institutional racism also plays heavily into this. And all of these weave together to affect how likely you are to get asthma or heart disease or be obese or suffer from depression how healthy your baby is, the kind of problems you might have in old age.
2: And so we can provide the best health care possible. But when we really start to look at what are the underlying factors, it's not access to health care that's the biggest barrier. It's access to a safe place to live. It's access to healthy food.
0: And climate change, too, is a social determinant of health. A huge one or rather it's a whole collection of them. And it also affects existing determinants of health. If you live in a heat island like Roxbury, it's just gonna get worse. If you live in a flood zone like the New Orleans Ninth Ward, you're more vulnerable to storms. If you work outdoors in Southern California, you'll breathe more wildfire smoke as wildfires get worse. Here's Gary Cohen, founder of Healthcare Without Harm, an environmental health and advocacy group.
3: It's the heat island effect. It's being involved, being placed to places that are flooding. It's all of the additional conditionalities that the climate crisis and our, our addiction to fossil fuels and toxic chemicals are bringing to people where they live.
0: And it's taken us three episodes to bring in healthcare without harm, but Cohen and his colleagues are a big deal in environmental health. They've been around since 1996, they work with governments and health systems around the world. And according to Cohen, the United States' healthcare sector has things kind of backwards.
3: The problem is that we've set up a, a healthcare system that is basically treating people once they're sick. And there's enormous money involved in that system.
0: So the sector is set up to treat people when they get sick. And I guess a cynic might say that's because our pseudo-private healthcare industry isn't making money if people are staying healthy. We'll talk about that in a bit. But whatever the reason, Cohen says the philosophy has always been this. Wait for people to get sick and then treat them.
3: The system has been designed to basically pull people out of the river who are drowning as opposed to moving upstream and seeing why are they being thrown in the river in the
0: first place. In recent years, some hospitals, doctors, policymakers have been trying this upstream approach. People like Dr. Megan Sandell. And another one of Dr. Sandell's research areas is on long-term patterns in neonatal health, newborn babies. And she's involved in research that suggests that temperature swings could be linked to low birth weights.
2: We at Boston Medical Center have had a, uh, a, a long-term research policy network called Children's Health Watch. And so we've been interviewing families with young children over the last 20 years. What we've ended up doing is looking at um, shifts in temperature. So that's publicly available data, right, that you can link to an address and be able to look at associations. And one of the things that we're starting to to see is that it is heat and heat island effects are important, but it's the severe swings of temperature from cold to hot that is the most significant associated with risks of low birth weight and prematurity.
0: So how do you stop this before it starts? Well, you can start with housing, like the Bartlett Station project.
2: And so as you think about kind of Most housing, um, uh, if it's well designed, shouldn't have those swings, right? Either they become super cold or super hot. Um, But for some people who may or may not be able to control their environment temperature, if they're living, say, sometimes in in subsidized housing where they don't control the heat or they don't control the, the cooling, And or again, as we think about what climate change is, where we had severe in Boston, you know, 90 degree weather in July um, or in early uh, late June and then July 4th, it was 60 degrees.
0: And Bartlett Station isn't necessarily a climate change focused project, but it was spearheaded by an environmental policy group, the Conservation Law Foundation. It's part of their Healthy Neighborhood Equity Fund. And they also partnered with the Massachusetts Housing Investment Corporation. It's just a great example of healthcare and environmental advocacy and public housing all coming together to make sure some people have a secure place to live and shop when the weather gets bad. And there's another reason for this approach, trying to treat people before they get sick. Social determinant programs could also save a lot
4: of money. Among the OECD countries, the U.S. has the highest percentage by far of expenditures for unnecessary care. So people landing in hospitals for reasons that are entirely preventable.
0: That's Dr. Aaron Bernstein again. You may have heard him in the first episode He's a pediatrician and the interim director of the Center for Climate, Health, and the Global Environment at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public
4: Health, a.k.a. Harvard Chan Sea Change. So it's about a trillion dollars, just to put that in perspective. We're, we're going bankrupt. Uh, you know, the largest budget in the federal government is health and human services. The next closest is Social Security. <laughs> and about half of all health care dollars are being paid out of Medicare, Medicaid, the children's insurance program. Uh, These are, you know, huge sums of taxpayer dollars. And theoretically, we can save a lot of money by
0: not treating those illnesses that didn't happen.
4: And all of that means that we have to focus on the ways in which climate actions can address the concerns we do have that are imminent right now, whether that's whether or not we can pay our utility bills, uh, whether or not someone is going to, you know, drop dead of a heart attack uh, at an age well before their uh, time. Things that really matter to people right now can be addressed through climate actions
0: Practically speaking, social determinant programs in general are new, and very few specifically address climate change right now. After all, like we said in episode one, the first challenge is just getting the healthcare sector to see climate change as a health issue in the first place. On the other hand, bringing this strategy to bear against climate-linked disease will not require that much of a shift. Dr. Bernstein says we're not working from scratch, Most of the biggest things social determinant programs address, things like housing security, food security, air pollution, access to clean water, are already what we would do to mitigate climate change. We would already do a lot of these things to protect people from floods and rising seas and saltwater encroachment and air filled with smoke and
4: dust and blistering urban heat waves. You know, there are all kinds of programs focused on social determinants, but most of these folks have no clue they matter to climate change. (laughs) (laughs) The, 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 the closest, you know, the closest bridge there are these energy programs, but you know, there's, there's tons of programs focused on obesity and they're strictly about how do we prevent children from getting obese. And that's a huge climate piece. Bernstein talks a lot about nutrition and not just in terms of decreased
0: food security due to famine and rising poverty levels. Healthcare-sponsored nutrition programs could be a backdoor way to cut down on carbon emissions in the first place. For example, curbing meat consumption, cutting down on the meat that we eat, especially red meat, is generally good for people. Red meat consumption has been linked strongly to obesity. Meanwhile... The meat industry is a huge emitter of greenhouse gases. The agriculture sector produces a full 10% of America's overall emissions, and around a third of all crops go towards sustaining livestock. Meat is just really dirty and inefficient. Therefore
4: curbing red meat consumption can make a major dent in greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. But that's not the, that's not the conversation that happens in these, in, in these programs, which are, again, very progressive, trying to work upstream on obesity prevention. They're not talking about climate change. They're not, even, they're not talking about pollution. They're simply talking about obesity is the number one public health threat to our nation.
0: The point is that we don't necessarily even need to get administrators and politicians to buy into the whole climate angle of social determinant programs before we start using them to protect people against climate change. Here's Gary Cohen again.
3: We're not just facing one crisis, we're facing multi-crisis. So racism, institutional racism, is a massive crisis, COVID is a crisis, the climate crisis is, is a crisis. So how do we have solutions that, that do all these things together?
0: But there is a snag to this whole thing, at least here in America. And we touched on this earlier. Basically, America's healthcare industry makes money by treating people when they get sick.
3: Until uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, hospitals and others were being compensated for more tests, more treatment, more hospitalization. Uh, people are being, are we filling our beds? It's like, that's the wrong question.
0: To put it very simply, if nobody is getting sick, Nobody is making money from care. And that doesn't mean that providers want people to get sick. I'm not quite that cynical yet. But it does mean that our whole incentive system is about treating people when they arrive at the hospital, not keeping them from coming in in the first
4: place. People in healthcare get paid for doing stuff after the fact. That's how we get paid almost exclusively. There are exceptions to that on the margins, but the lion's share. Is uh, is for you know taking care of people when, when they're sick. Now, there are always going to be people who get sick for reasons that have nothing to do with preventable disease or or you know things that are not easily preventable. So I'm not saying you know healthcare doesn't need to exist here, but but the balance here is radically out of shift. Insurers, in particular, uh, are saying we don't want to pay for stuff that people shouldn't be getting sick about. And right now they're putting the pressure on the providers. And and what's interesting about this moment is that the providers have been working for the last 60 years in a framework in which this is not their job. And so it's a real experimental period.
0: This is a much bigger problem, and it goes well beyond social determinant programs, and we'll focus on it more in the next episode. But for now, just because the industry and incentive structures don't really lend themselves to upstream programs like BMC's Bartlett Station Project, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Or start planning how we can protect people from climate change before it gets even worse.
1: This is where I, was, I grew up, born and raised. Um, this used to be an old bus station that we're standing on, Bartley Yard. I used to, you know, I grew up here, playing here, walking around, from coming back from high school this way. We have seen improvements, and uh, more focus and care in the neighborhood. The city's got better at taking care of things. It's not, it's not kind of forgotten anymore. I, I see them taking a proactive step to say, hey, you know, if we actually come in, into this area and actually being hands-on involved with the community, um, you know, know, I'm really appreciative of that, you know, actually putting their money where their mouth is.
0: Next time, President Biden is trying to bring America back into the climate war and Health and Human Services wants a piece of the action. It's introduced a brand new climate office and CDC, NIH and its other arms are starting to take action. What the federal government can do and what it can't in Episode 4 of The Earth Disease.